Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Mental Toughness and Body Show. On this show, we're going to talk today about real estate investing. Now, most people say it's a scam, it's unrealistic, or just don't know how to get started. But our guest today has something very important to say and share with all of us. And I think you're going to be blown away by this information. Now, obviously on this show, we have uh, interviewed people from all the different types of, of walks of life. But today we're going to have Philip Warwick, who is an authority in real estate investing. Philip, how are you? I'm doing great. Doing great, Rob. I appreciate you having me on the show today. Happy to be here and add yeah. value to your following. And uh, I know you're doing some great things. So. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. And so um, just for, for the audience, so uh, you're you're based in uh, the US, so investing in, in that space, we'll dig into it and see if you're in, investing in other countries and so forth. But I guess to start with, I wanted to ask you firstly, so what got you started into real estate and real estate investing and you know creating that as your business and, and why real estate? So I'm one of the guys that's been investing for a long time, Rob. I'm a full-time real estate investor with over 20 years experience. I've been full-time for 20 years, wow, right? Yeah. So if we go all the way back to the start, I remember when I was in high school and uh, like you said, I'm here in Houston, Texas. And, and uh, when I was in, a senior in high school, I remember going to my dad and asking, dad, you know, when I go to college, what would it take for me to buy a house, right? So I could rent out the rooms to my friends and they could actually pay the enough to cover the mortgage, right? So I'll be able to get to live there for free. And he's like, wow, that's a really good idea. And he said, I think if you saved it up a good down payment, 10, 20% down and got your credit where it needs to be and built up that good credit, you'd be able to do that. And I think that's a great idea, right? So that was when my senior year in high school, 17 years old, right? Wow. And uh, so that's what I kind of set out to do. I was like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Uh, maybe I'll stay back and not start college for about a year and do community college and I'll work and save up that down payment. And I remember I was watching late night television one night and I saw a infomercial and it was a gentleman on a bar stool kind of talking about his home study course on how to buy houses with no money and no credit. And I was like, Hey, hold on a second. This sounds like a shortcut, you know? So I ended up ordering that home study course as, as a 17 year old senior in high school. Um, you know, and I dabbled through that course and started learning and reading books and things like that. But I bought my first house at the age of 21. So that was, you know, again, over 20 years ago. And so where, that's kind of how I got my start. <laughs> where did that come from? Do you think like were your parents into real estate investing or like you just had an appetite for it? You saw that investing in real estate was a, a fast track to building some wealth. Actually, uh, I grew up on the mission field. So my, the first 10 years of my life, I lived in Brazil. My parents were missionaries. They took over a church that my grandparents had started. They planted several other churches. And so I look at that as an entrepreneur thing, right? Because running a church is basically like, in my opinion, running a business, right? And so I grew up on the mission field. But when we came off of the mission field, I was like in fifth, going to fifth grade. So about 10, 11 years old, yes. we moved back to the States. We moved back here to Houston. And dad ended up starting a sign business a few years after we came back, right? So I grew up working for dad in that sign business. So I grew up basically under the tutelage of a missionary slash entrepreneur, right? So I always had my mind set on doing business and being, you know, successful. So um, I don't know where the idea came for as far as like owning a house and doing real estate full time, but that's kind of where my entrepreneur journey led to. That's really interesting because if you think, say, missionary church, 
I mean, you kind of think broke, you know, you kind of think oh, there's no money in there, but doing the way that you just explained that, I've never thought about it like that. If you're setting up multiple churches, then it really is. Yeah. Well, the money's got to come from somewhere and That's right. you can sit there and pray and say, let's just hope that the money comes, but you've got to uh, be really integrated into the community and you've got to have a strategy and you have to get the funds and you have to get the buildings done. Um, so that's really uh, cool. I mean, I wish I had that mindset when I was that age. I mean, I was, um, there's a lot of pressure on you when you're like 16, 17, uh, certainly in my country to like, obviously where I'm probably older than you, but um, so in early eighties, I had to start making career choices and there's so much pressure to say, well, hang on, I have an experienced life. I don't know what I want to do. And so you tend to go with, well, what are you good at? And I wasn't good at much, but I understood numbers. And I ended up um, going into accounting because that was the, like maths and accounting were the only things that I kind of got. And so I went through that pathway and I saw that becoming a chartered accountant and, uh, you know, doing that pathway was my way to creating some wealth and perhaps a career in the future. And then ironically, when I became a chartered accountant, I realized I didn't want to become an, I didn't want to be a chartered accountant. And now I run my own my health and wellness business, but um, yeah, it's interesting if I had have had, like, if I started again, I think I would say, do you know what? I would start with real estate, um, because it's the fastest way to, you know, create that wealth, isn't it? So, um, yeah, it definitely can be. And I'll, I'll touch on, on what you mentioned too, because as a, as a growing up, like we never wanted for anything, right. We had everything that we needed. Um, we obviously wanted, wanted more, right. But being a missionary, it's exactly what you said. Dad had to come back to the States every few years to, you know, respond to the missionaries and give a report and raise more support, right? So, yes. you know, we always had that need of raising more support, raising capital is what you would call it, right? And so um, I looked at real estate as, as like you said, it's just a, a path to get to, to wealth faster, right? And I started hearing a lot that most wealth is created in real estate. If it's not created in real estate, maybe they created it in business, but they end up eventually investing in real estate right so it's a great place to invest your capital when you have capital to invest and so yeah so yeah so, so i want to divide uh, what you do up into two parts uh, for a second so we've got real estate investing but you also do it as a full-time business so right. tell me a little bit about uh the business of it could be anything but the business of real estate what would you say is the toughest thing for you in business? So yeah, when you're looking at real estate as both your way of making a living, right? So you're 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 doing your um, you know, your earned income, right? Your active income through real estate, as well as you're investing in real estate long term for that capital wealth for growing, um, you know, for growing your wealth. It is a little bit complicated, right? So we have to do both. Like we do everything from wholesaling houses, right? Where we get a house under contract and pass it on to another investor that's going to actually buy it and keep it as a rental or flip it. Uh, we do buy, fix and flip, right? So, and the wholesaling and buy, fix and flip is really what funds our active income. And then we do uh, buy and hold, right? Where we might buy a house, fix it up, hold it as a rental for several years before we sell it. And this is basically given us the opportunity of building a pipeline, building a business. I like to call myself a real estate entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Because I do everything involved in real estate. And, you know, at first we started out, we wholesaled one house and then we bought a house, fixed it up and sold it. And then the second year we might've done two or three deals, right? And so what I've done is I've become a transaction engineer. 
So I do a lot of the outbound marketing, targeting sellers or potential people who need to sell and getting them to call us so we can buy houses off market. And then once we get that property and we get that lead, we figure out, hey, what's the best way to make cap money off of this deal? Is it going to be a wholesale deal, a buy, fix and flip, a buy and hold? And is it going to be a creative strategy or cash offer, right? So doing multiple strategies within the business is what's really allowed us to scale and to grow and to continue having both an active income as well as a long-term passive income. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So obviously um, you're very seasoned at this. Let's just say that somebody's wanting to get into real estate investing. Um, how would you suggest people start? They don't want to do it full time, but they want to do you know a little bit on the side and so forth. Is it um, is it like a, a fix and flip? Is that the is that the easiest way for somebody to get into the market? Yeah, so I don't think there's an easy way, right? So get, real estate's not get rich quick. I think it's get rich for sure, but it takes persistence yeah, well, and point. action yeah. and, and and doing doing whatever it takes. But um, it really depends. I, I like to customize a you know a blueprint for people to figure out. Hey, where are you at now? What are your goals? What access to capital do you have, right? Are you trying to make an active income or just a passive income, right? So it really is situational. It depends on on where people are at. And not everybody wants to quit their job in 90 days to be a full-time real estate entrepreneur like me, yes. right? So depending on, on where they're at. I would say for the person that has less capital, they have more time and they want to get into real estate, then yeah, starting with um, doing the legwork to find great deals off market, then maybe they start with wholesaling and then, you know, maybe from wholesaling, they'll make some profits and save that money to do a buy, fix and flip. And then maybe the buy, fix and flip gives them a bigger amount of capital that they can invest more passively. Right. So kind of taking those stepping stones. Um, or if you're like, Hey, I've got investment capital. I don't have time. I've got a full-time job. I've got a great income. I don't want to quit my job, but I would love to diversify some of my investments into real estate. Then maybe it's uh, better for them to partner with somebody that has more time than money. Right. So by partnering together with the guy that is actually out there making the hundred offers to get the one accepted to partner with you on it would be a good way to put your capital to work. And, uh, or you can kind of be like me and do a hybrid, right? doing a little bit of all of those scenarios. Yes. And so I'm assuming that uh, obviously you were like a first house, you're not going to go for multi-million dollars because that's less like too high risk. Um, so do you have like when, uh, you're looking at properties. Do you have like, a, okay, well, I'm going to stick to something that's below 500 or it's a couple of hundred or uh, whatever. Like, how do you work out where you're going to put your funds? Yeah. So my best advice to that is to start where the median price range is for your area. And everybody's median price range is going to be different depending on where it is that they live. But yeah. when you look up, look at the market in your local market, and I, I believe real estate's local. I love to invest in houses like close to here, like Literally yesterday, I got a call from a gentleman that had a referral for me. Um, somebody's dad had passed away and he had five rental houses and they were all within 20 minutes of my office, right? So nice. like I met with him within an hour and went and looked at all of the properties, right? And now we're, we're talking. So I love local, but to answer your question, it's in that those are all in the median starter price range homes. They're not huge mansions, but they're great money makers, houses that you could actually rent out, right? And hold them as long-term rentals, or you could buy them, fix them and flip them and make a quick little, quick little profit, right? So what happens is if you go to the, let's say the, the median price range in your area 
just to make the math easy, let's just say it's $250,000, right? That's where all the buyers are. So 90% of the people looking for homes are looking in that 250 to 500,000 range, maybe. If you go above double that median price range, well, now you're dealing with the top 10% of your community that can actually afford that home. So it makes it harder to actually sell it. It takes longer to sell. Um, and then if you're going to hold it as a rental, the higher the house, the less it rents for on a, you know, on an ROI based on the value. So sticking yeah. to that medium is really a safe place to be, right? Yes, yes, yeah. They're great, great advice, great advice. Um, so what would you say, um, say right now, let's uh, let's talk about market, for instance. So how, how tough is it? to find things right now? Are there some good deals out there? Obviously you're in the US, in Australia, I think kind of globally, we're going through the same kind of challenges with cost of living has never been higher. Everybody, Everybody's government is playing with the interest rates, interest rates have you know, like doubled since COVID, all that kind of stuff. How challenging is it? And what do you see happening in the market at the moment? Yeah, so when you're in a, what we're gonna call a buyer's market right now, right? Cause there's less, less properties available, less buyers, right? So it makes it a better opportunity for us to get great deals. We have to be careful not to overpay, but when we're in a seller's market and you can put a property on the market and you're getting 10 offers over asking price, well, it makes it that much more competitive to find a great deal, right? Yeah. So right now, I feel like deals are opening up more. Opportunities are coming where there's more motivated sellers because they might not be able to sell as fast as they could have a year and a half, two years ago. So it's it's given us that opportunity. And the thing is, if you're if you're gonna buy, fix, and flip, and the exit strategy is to sell that house. Well, now that means you might have a problem with selling it fast, right? So my strategies right now are more on the creative side where we're making offers to take over payments. Like so we find sellers that are in distress, for example, maybe they're behind on payments or they're facing foreclosure. Um, because they haven't been able to keep up their payments. A lot of the offers that we make are creative where we get seller financing or we take over the payments on their existing loan that have those low interest rates. And then I can rent that property out long-term. I can yeah. sell it. We end up with a buyer that can pay us off when we make a profit, we can sell it or we can rent it, right? The point is, is that in a market where things aren't selling as fast or they're not selling as high, maybe we just go longer on that property. We hold it for several years as opposed to just trying to fix it and flip it in several months. Yes. Right. So, um, and then waiting as a full cycle real estate entrepreneur, I've been in the business for over 20 years. I've seen the ups and the downs, right? I, I was in real estate during the 2008 crash and everything that happened there. And, and as long as we buy right, where we're not, we have to sell, we can hold on until the market rebounds. Right. And then yes. the longer we hold out, honestly, the more money we make, it might diminish our ROI. Right. But the longer we hold, the more we're going to make in the long run. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What would you say is uh, maybe one common myth that's in real estate investing that you would like to debunk? One common myth in real estate? Well, um, it's almost like the what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? And this this comes up a lot. It's like, hey, what what came what comes first, the deal um, or the capital, right? And I, I believe as a real estate investor, we're always searching for a great deal. And then when we have a great deal, now we're looking for the capital to, to fund the deal, right? But I don't believe that you need to have the capital first. Like you need to build those relationships. And, and like, if you said, Philip, hey, I've got half a million dollars to invest right now, then we will talk about my private lending program and we would, you know, make sure that we're a fit to work together. And then I would go find a deal for you, 
right? But then if I found a deal first and I don't have capital, well, I've got people waiting on the sidelines that want to invest with me, right? So building those relationships, um, the best time to start in real estate is now. Like just because I started 20 years ago and I got 23 years experience, that doesn't mean that you missed the boat, right? There's always people who need to sell. There's always people going yes. through a divorce. There's always people who pass away that leave behind a property that hasn't been updated in 20, 30 years to their children to deal with and they need to sell it. There's always people behind on payments going through foreclosure. These situations always are going to exist regardless of what type of market we're in. Um, so I'll say the time is now, right? Don't don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. <laughs> yeah, I've had a number of uh, clients who are real estate agents and uh, the same thing. You say, oh, you know, when's the best time to sell? your home and so forth. And I say the best time to sell is when you, you want to sell it. It's like, yeah. don't wait for spring or summer and think, wow, you know, you, the best time is when you need to. So if that's now, it's now. Um, so you do it that way. Um, one thing that I can think of that there may be a, a common misconception, you touched on it before, is that uh, if you just invest in any real estate, it's easy and you will make money. And like mm -hmm. you said, it's, well, for one, it's also a business and no business is easy. And when it comes to real estate, you can pick a, a, a bad property and you lose money. So it, you, know, you don't just make money because you invest in real estate, right? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, I mean, that brings to mind too, like one, one deal that we did um, last year in the, the property is a historic home in Galveston and Galveston's Galveston Island, right? So it's a, it's an island, more like a vacation community here in, okay. in, uh, south side of Texas, south houston but um it was a historic home right and the house it ended up taking twice as long to renovate as we thought it ended up, ended up costing twice as much right and so like lord it, like it's a blessing we were able to finish it and complete it and now it's there and it's renting and things like that but it didn't go as expected right nothing ever goes according to plan but you can't quit you have to finish what you start and continue doing it um, and, uh, and yeah, just buying right and making sure that you can get houses below market values right now to where you actually have room, you know, to come down on your price if you need to sell. So I want to go a little bit dark for a second. What would you say has been your, uh, say greatest failure and what you learned from it? My greatest failure. Um, I think as far as what, like on a deal or. Well, yeah, I mean, not like you had a crushing relationship issue or something like that, but maybe <laughs> whether it's business or it could be personal, uh, personal type stuff that has, you know, well, yeah, there's, I had such a, a great learning uh, from whatever it was that happened. Yeah, I mean, honestly, right now it would be that deal that I just told you about in Galveston because it, okay. it took so long, right? And we're, in, we're, we're still holding on to the property. We still have it, but um it, you know it's it's cost us more than we expected it's upside down like we can't even sell it right now if we choose to right so we're kind of having to hold on to it and yeah. hope for the market to come back a little bit you know what i mean but we also got caught in the interest rate change because i was in the i was in the buy fix and flip period with my hard money lender and yeah. then the interest changed so by the time we finished the renovation interest rates had gone way up compared to where they were like literally double what we had expected and anticipated it to be Yes. Right. So that's definitely, definitely one. And I would say, you know, procrastination will kill a lot of things too. Right. So if you let fear and doubt and insecurity get into your mind long enough, it'll make the problems actually as you know, worse, you know, so definitely got to keep pushing forward regardless of what's going on and, 
make the right decisions and um, don't quit, right? I would say one of the things when the market crashed in 2008, we had 57 houses on the books and everything changed after 2008 from 2011, loan products changed, everything kind of changed. And so we took a hit on several houses and several things that happened. But my biggest regret then, because I've talked to a lot of people, JT included, people who started their real estate investing career in 2011, 2012. Mm -hmm. But from, from 2011, after we went through all of that, we kind of got a little bit um, hesitant, right? So we slowed way down on our investment side. We just managed to keep our properties and what we did, but we didn't do a whole lot of new acquisitions during those few years, but a lot of people did really well, right? So my point is, is in a market like what we're in right now, where things are just kind of like a little uncertain, it's a really good time to buy, right? If you can go long and you can go ahead and find those great deals and get them, as long as your rents can cover the debt service or cover the ownership of that property, then definitely a good time to buy when the market is down. So that's one of my, my regrets is not doing more back then. Yeah, nice. If you had your time over again, would you have not invested in that Galveston one? Um, if you knew what you knew now? Yeah, I, I probably would not have done that one. Yeah, okay. Why, and maybe you've just touched on it before, but so the greatest advice that you've ever had from a coach or, or mentor? Uh, the greatest advice, you know, I've been getting a lot of coaching over the years and, you know, I believe as a coach myself, if you don't, you know, if you don't believe in coaching, like if you got to be a product of the product, right? Absolutely. Um, co coaching accountability is amazing, right? You can read all the books that you want to. You can go to all the real estate seminars and sit on the Zooms and go to the ballrooms. And until so you have somebody that's actually been there and done it and is giving you the accountability, somebody that you can bounce your ideas off of um, and hold you accountable, you're left to your own demise, right? You're, you're left to your own um, ambition and to your own enthusiasm, right? And a lot of times you need to have that accountability to really make sure that you actually take the steps that you're going to take to make it done. So I think the best advice as far as coaching goes is to have a coach, right? And to think that you're going to have the results that you want to achieve without paying for access to somebody to hold you accountable, you just might not get there as fast as you, as you want to, right? And we can go a lot further, you know, with a coach and with people with the experience that have actually done it. Yeah, just speeds up the whole process, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So obviously you've had a, a lot of success in what it is that you do. And, um, you know, you've obviously got a lot on every single day. How do you manage that work-life balance? Hmm. There is no work-life balance, you know. Um, 4.30 a.m. <laughs> yep. So my day starts at 4.30, pretty much, I would say, five to six days a week, you know. So and, just uh, on that, like I know the answer, but just for people listening, why do you start then? There's people like, oh, man, it's so early. Yeah, getting up at 4.30 has been a game changer for me. It gives me that time to really to reflect, right, to do my journaling, to Bible read, uh, to get my exercise in. And what I find is that when you get your exercise in in the morning, and I'm always listening to to, to podcasts or listening to the things or books or whatever it is that, that I want to learn at the time, and I find that doing my cardio on my stationary bike while listening to something productive it really helps, right? And we can get a lot done um, in the morning and it just sets the tone for the whole day. It gives you that alone time before the family and the rest of the world needs you. So, yeah. um, you know, 
the accountability coaching that I've gotten as well and kind of getting poked on my health and wellness for the past couple of years have really helped, right? And that consistency has actually helped me to lose 50 pounds and keep it off for the past couple of years, you know? So it's uh, the mindset, the energy, and, you know, that, that time to work on yourself in the morning is very important. So I kind of cut you off there. Um, so sorry, but that, that is is awesome uh, while you do that. Maybe walk through the rest of your day, what your typical day sort of looks like. Yeah, so I mean, I, I start in the morning again, like with getting up at 4.30, um, doing my, my, my routine of reading the Bible a little bit and then um, getting on the bike, exercising, listening to something, you know, creative, getting the kids off to school. Um, and, and usually my calendar's full, you know, I get booked, I got calls booked and doing podcasts and things like this. And then, uh, dealing with coaching clients that I'm coaching and, and that kind of thing, looking at properties and dealing with my team, we have group meetings with our team. So we do a lot of short-term rentals right now. We've got 30 houses on Airbnb as short-term rentals. A lot. So it keeps us, keeps us busy, like working with that and managing all the teams and things like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Nice. And so how important is it for you to be working on your mindset? You said that at the, like at the start of the day, which I love that because that's when I like to do my, my um, stuff too, in terms of, you know, personal growth. And I do it in the evening as well, because my schedule is very in health and wellness. It's very, very busy from like 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. through to, uh, you know, mid afternoon sometimes, and then picks up in the evening. Um, how important is it for you to be, working on growing you as a, as a person and keeping you grounded and everything uh, in order for, how do you attach that to the success of you as, as Philip and, and what you're doing growth wise in business? You know what? I, I heard it said once, um, let me think how it was said. It was like, Oh, I've heard that personal development doesn't work. Well, neither does bathing. That's why we need it every day, <laughs> you know? So being able to, to get that mindset and the energy, I've also heard that, you know, being an entrepreneur is like, is like being, um, you know, an athlete, you know, a professional athlete, the amount of energy and stamina that it takes to, to be ready and to have your mind ready to make those decisions. Right. Cause a lot of times we have to make decisions fast all day long. Mm. And, uh, if we don't have the energy, to do that, then we might not make the best decision. So I think health and wellness is very important for an entrepreneur and anybody, obviously, but, uh, but yeah, having that energy is very important to me. Yeah. And I believe it's, um, I, I like to get, uh, I, I focus on that, like the long-term life sustainable um, side of health rather than, okay, let's, you talked about your 25 pounds, let's get that off you in eight weeks and bang, you're right. And normally you find that it, it's so strenuous and so unrealistic that you just can't stick to it. It's like, well, okay, well, let's find uh, those things that you can do uh, for the rest right. of your life. And when yeah. and confidence too, like, I mean, think about it, Rob, like, a, I mean, two, 23 years as a real estate investor, 20 years full time. And I've never really been confident enough to speak about it. Right. And now I'm, yeah. you know, on stages, speaking on stage, yeah. people and, you know, getting to interview Tommy Hilfiger and Jeremy Piven and, you know, sharing the stage with Vanilla Ice and all these amazing, you know, people and, um, you know, just putting myself out there. And I think the confidence that we get from working out and being healthy is what really helps elevate that. I've been successful for a long time, just hadn't really been publicly sharing it, been real private about it. And so it really helps with confidence for sure. Yeah, the self-esteem and everything. It's really great. And the other aspect that I love is 
uh, you mentioned uh, about energy there. I think it's, uh, I like to look at your, the say the inner health, not like anything where you go to a doctor and they extract blood and all that kind of stuff. But if you think about your inner health as, um, you know, how do I get more energy and how do I get more focused through that healthy lifestyle? And then with those two things, you'll become better at everything. Because if you've got more energy and you've got more focus, then wherever you put that focus, you will be more successful. You just got to then learn how to harness that and focus in the right way, as opposed to, okay, let's just focus it everywhere. That's not focus. You've got to yeah, put it right, the right space. So I really love that. Um, just a couple uh, of more questions. What would you say is your strength, your superpower? Man, creative real estate, really finding mm. sellers who need to sell or want to sell, but they're off market, right? They, they need options. They need a creative solution to their, to their problems, right? Because if I can create a, a creative solution that works for them and maybe give them two or three options, as far as the, the way to sell their property, then they'll choose one of them, right? So if I can give them two or three options that would work for me, hopefully they can find one that works for them and choose that. Um, and uh, the longevity, this, that persistence and, you know, you touched on something focus. My, my big word of the year for this year is focus, you know, yes, mine too. Yeah. You know, cause we can have all of these, they call it the shiny objects. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. You I, get can to do that, I can do that. I can do that, but we just need to focus. And my focus right now is real estate and coaching other people to get into real estate. Right. And so just being able to focus and um, I know you've heard it, right. It's not about time management it's energy management right so if we can keep our energy up we can keep our focus in, in in on that straight path to what we're trying to achieve we can accomplish a lot more than what we think we're capable of and in coming up with those creative solutions uh, obviously you touched on it before but a, a big part of that is how you build relationships too right so that's probably a strength of yours that maybe you take for granted but that's so important isn't it in business yeah, it really is. And and to be able to have, you know, other people that want to partner with me, investors that have capital that want to invest in, in deals, you know, then you know, like what your capabilities are, because you have capital on the sidelines waiting. So when you got great deals, and you got people with capital to fund them, you got to get out there and, and put those offers out, right, to get some some properties in front of them to get those deals done. You know, so that's, that's for sure being able to have that and I think the longevity too, I'm going through all these different cycles of real estate and knowing the different strategies and different types of offers that you can make is, is very important. So second last question, okay. uh, what would be your one piece of advice to somebody that's just going to start out? What would they do? You know, just start basically be, um, be willing to share, right? Be willing to get coaching. And, you know, a lot of times I'll coach people so they can go out there and do it on their own, or we'll coach them to be able to partner with us and do deals together. And so I, my, my number one advice is to, is to really start, you know, and find somebody that you know, that you can trust, that you believe has the experience that can help you get deals done. Don't go out alone, right? One of the, one of, one of the things I remember hearing and it said, um, when you make it to the top, if you look around and you're alone, you did it wrong, you know, and that really resonated with me. And, you know, there's a song that says, you know, when you get where you're going, don't forget to turn back around and help the next one in line. Right. And so there are people that have got and achieved the success that you want to achieve. And they're an open book. Usually it's just a matter of 
you know, finding somebody that has achieved what you want to achieve and, and seeing if they have, um, you know, mentorship available or they're willing to coach or do deals together. So I would say that, you know, get, get started, don't go alone and, uh, make sure you get, get with somebody that, that, you know, like, or trust. I think that is great advice. I mean, it's the fastest way to get you from where you are to where it is that you want to get to if you connect with the right person. So um, that's probably a nice segue into obviously you do coaching and so forth. We're going to put the links in uh, below uh, in the comments of this podcast, but uh, to, what are ways that people can get in touch with you? Yeah. So my website, philipwarwick.com, you know, and I think from there you can go to all of my different social medias. And if you want, I'll share a link that you can put down, down at the bottom with some free resources. I've got, um, you know, for the person getting started, I've got a book called flip your way to financial freedom. And I can give you, um, you know, a place where they can go download a copy of that for free. Right. And just get yeah, a PDF. That's a really good entry point to, to really getting into into my world, right? And obviously following me on Facebook, I'm really active on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and things like that. So um, just connect with me, right? It costs absolutely nothing to have a, a conversation to see if we're a fit to work together or to gain some wisdom to go do it on your own or do it together. Um, and, you know, I'm real heavy in the the short-term rental space. I love the, the Airbnb model, buying houses, fixing them up, furnishing them and putting them on Airbnb. So I've got some resources there that I can share as far as like the technology and tools and things that I use. Again, another way to, to, to end up in my ecosystem. So that way we can kind of start building that relationship and um, podcasts and everything else. So, Yeah, fantastic. Um, Philip, you've added a heap of value here today. It's fantastic. Look, everybody uh, that's listening to this, please uh, like, share, comment on, connect with Philip, tell him what a great podcast this was. Uh, he's posting multiple times a day. There's some great free resources. You can see him driving around, um, doing his uh, drive-bys of, of houses and walking into them. And you can see, uh, you know, exactly what he's doing. He talks you through it. Like, it's really, really cool stuff. You're doing a good job with that stuff. Um, so, yeah. Philip, thank you so much for today. It's been an honor to have you on the show and just sharing all your wisdom with us. All right. Thanks for having me, Rob. It's been a pleasure. I'm honored to be here. I know you do this often, so good job. Thank you. You're welcome.